Thank you for joining us at uh, Beer Fish Fanatics. And this episode is actually brought to you by Whisker Seeker Tackle. So make sure you guys go to whiskerseeker.com for all your catfishing gear. Enjoy the episode, guys. All right, man. Let me grab my beer. Oh, I thought I thought I was late. Oh, you're good. I'm, I'm, no, I'm not late. What are you talking about, man? <laughs> All right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Beer Fish Fanatics. This is Gritty with My Pop Fishing. We got Kit with the Fishing Kit YouTube channel. And today, uh, by popular demand and also by our demand or our, our request, we have Mr. Jeff Kapaska from the Iowa DNR joining us again. Welcome, Jeff. Good evening, fellas. How you doing? Good, good. And good, I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> yeah, well, 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 we'll have to ask why he's doing so good in a second here. But uh, today, quick shout out to our sponsor, Kelowna Brewing Company. I'm drinking something a little bit new. It's called the Red Rover. Red Rover, it's a cherry Belgian-style ale. So I'm going to try this one out. I haven't tried this one out yet. So they did a deliver for me uh, last week. So I got Kit stash, too. So if he doesn't come and get it, you know, within the next couple of days, I think it's it's I keep it all, right? Is that true guys i don't know i'm just that's the rule yep I, I guess that's fair i guess there. that's fair there you go what do you got kit i have their double night vision belgian style ale double Ooh, that's a strong one too yeah it's 7.6 oh well this one's 6.3 so it's not too bad it's gonna be yeah nice and tasty i like i like belgian style beers lately i don't know why i just been kind of on a uh one of those european tours of beers i don't know i think that's what they call it so Cheers, gentlemen. Well, what's Jeff having? Dry night. Dry night. <laughs> Dry night. Right. There we go. There we go. Um, like the true professional that you are, Jeff. Yeah, not like Thank us. Not, not like our two dim wits here, but <laughs> it's all good. Uh, but you know what? We, we really wanted to get Jeff back on because uh, there there's something that's kind of going around, you know, on the Internet. And, you know, you told us about it, too. And um, we, we knew about this coming up. I think a couple couple months ago, actually, I think you got, you, you mentioned it. And I think we even spoke with Matt um, Fleming and he, he spoke about it a little bit. But there's this thing that's coming up. If, if you're in Iowa and you're a fisherman and if you're a walleye fisherman and everything, um, there's this thing that, that we, we've seen floating around social media, seen this little flyer and word of mouth. And even even some, uh, I think even Spencer from River Certified, he was he was sharing that around because uh, this is a good thing. But what what's going on is there there's a, a walleye tournament type thing that the Iowa DNR is partnering up and doing. And I'm not going to steal your thunder, but I think if uh, Mr. Jeff Kapas, can you explain a little bit about this tournament, how the Iowa uh, DNR is involved in it, and, and just kind of what it entails, if you don't mind? Absolutely. So um, Iowa DNR is working with uh, Atlas, Anglis, and, At, Anglers Atlas and MyCatch to um, conduct a virtual online walleye tournament for the months of may and june and you might be curious why are we doing such a thing i think there's there's a lot of questions about that um well you you all know that for the last few weeks that basically the entire dnr fishery staff has been working 
um, doing walleye collections for our hatcheries. So we've been really busy at Rathbun. Mark Flaming was working down there. Um, the Central Iowa crews that I work with, we've been at Big Creek and Brushy Creek doing walleye and muskie assessments there. Uh, and then most everybody else was either at Storm Lake or Clear Lake or up at the Okoboji chain. And we do that at this time of year because walleyes normally are in deeper water, but they come in shallow during this period of time to spawn. And so our sampling equipment that we use, our nets and our electroshocking boats and so on, are most effective during this time when they're shallow. We really can't go out and electrofish in deep water because the, the electricity doesn't go there. Mm. We want to set our gill nets when the water is cold because the longer a fish is in a gill net the, and the warmer it is, the more likely that is to be, to be lethal. So we set, when we're out doing our gill net work, we do that early in the spring. We do it when the water temperatures are cold so we can capture the fish. We can bring them into the hatchery if that's what we're gonna do, or we can uh, take the data from them like we do at Big Creek and Brushy Creek and we don't kill the fish and we put them back. So the times that we can sample walleyes very effectively and in a non-lethal manner is these last few weeks. Okay, so we put all of our effort into basically those six water bodies. Okay, mm -hmm. and the time that we can be effective is when we're doing this stuff for the hatchery. Now, why do we put walleyes in the hatchery? Because people want to catch walleyes and we stock walleyes all over the place. So we invest all this time and money into our staff doing the walleye collections. We invest all this time and money into our hatcheries to grow the walleyes. And then we put the walleyes out there. But for the most part, we put walleyes in tons of places that we never see them again. Okay. We don't have the time or ability to do assessments at these other places where we stock walleyes. And that's not the best utilization of our resources. We want to know something about these places, these walleye populations that we stock. So what's a way that we can figure that out? If you've ever been interviewed by a Creole clerk, they take a look at your fish, they measure the fish, whatever, and they do counts on a regular basis over the course of an entire year or multiple months. It's pretty expensive to hire a seasonal to do a creel survey that really only happens at one lake. So this summer we are hiring, we're actually, we're hiring like five creel clerks. We're doing a creel survey at Rathbun. We're doing a creel survey at Easter Lake, which we just renovated and at Big Creek. And those folks are also gonna do some work on the Des Moines River. And then we've got, I think, one at, up at Okaboji and maybe one at either Clear Lake or Storm Lake. I can't remember where. All. So we have data from where we collect fish during our broodstock collections. We'll have data from these creel surveys that we're doing statewide. But there are tons of other places. There's Little River. There's Lake McBride. There's Lake Icaria. There's the Des Moines River. There's, you name it, we've got like 130 different water bodies in the state of Iowa. 
where we say there's walleyes to catch and we know something about five, okay? So why are we doing this tournament? We have been working with Sean and Anglers Atlas through our Professional American Fishery Society. And we are hoping, we're doing an experiment and we are working on this to see if anglers can help us learn something about those populations. It's basically the same as our creel survey that we hire somebody to do, except for we are using technology to make that data collection instead of using a staff person to make that data collection. So we're partnering with, um, with Anglers Atlas. We're doing this tournament in May and June. You know, we could do it longer, but we don't, we don't know if it's gonna work. So we're limiting the time frame to when, you know, a lot of walleye fishing occurs in May and, and June. You know, uh, that's pretty popular time for walleye fishing. And um, it's not just a tournament to figure out where the biggest fish are. We're not just incentivizing the largest fish that's caught. We're also incentivizing the most fish that are caught. We want anglers to enter every walleye that they catch so that we know roughly how many 12 inch walleyes are there? How many 14 inch walleyes are there? How many 16s, 18s, 20, you know, whatever. We, we want anglers to report all of those catches so that we can get a handle on what's there. Because right now, the majority of these systems, we don't know what's there. And if we, if this works and we get a handle on that, then we can come back and say, all right, looks like maybe we should improve our stocking at water body X. And since we have the, the survey data from our netting and shocking, and we're gonna have creel data, and we're gonna have this data, we're gonna be able to compare those three things and see what did the tournament tell us about a, a water body where we have some creel data? What did the tournament tell us about a water body where we have some netting data? do these do the results match up or do we see something different from the two um so like i say it's an experiment but it's really something we hope can be useful for us to learn something more about these systems that we don't know much about and to do this in in what's really a cost-effective manner for us Citizen science is the wave of the future. I mean, this is, we're not hiring, um, we're not going to be able to hire another dozen Creole clerks. We're not going to hire, you know, one or two more full-time people to be able to do this kind of work. It's, that's just not, people don't want bigger government. <laughs> and so if we're going to figure something out, we're going to have to partner with our constituents. We're going to have to partner with our anglers and try to do something like this. So this this seemed like something worthy of trying. We might, it might not work, yeah. but you know, I I think um, at least from what I hear from the general public, fishermen here, if they yeah. understand, you know, because they they have their opinions, they have their viewpoints on. Let's just you know, we can speak of the walleyes, right? Yeah. Uh, population here. This is something that's going to help them. 
I mean, in the long run, I, at least I feel if, if everyone who who's a huge walleye guy or gal, getting more information to the Iowa DNR helps them understand and regulate the fish. It, it, you know, Absolutely. And, and I think if they're willing to participate in this and it doesn't cost anything, right? I mean, I, there, there, there if is... you're going to be in the tournament, there's okay. a tournament entry fee because there's okay. prizes every week. So there you go. So as long as we have enough people entered, then that I think I think we're hoping for maybe 200, 250 people to enter the tournament. Okay. And depending on how many people sign up, there are prizes and there are prizes every week. There's a prize for the biggest walleye over the course of the tournament. There's a prize for the biggest walleye um, every week, I think. There's a prize, I think, for the most walleye over the course of the tournament. And then every week, there's also a prize for the most walleyes caught every week. There's also a prize every week for hard luck. You went fishing, you reported that you went fishing, you didn't catch anything. Well, you know, we, <laughs> we want to know, it's just as important to know that as it is to know that fishing kit caught 17 walleyes tonight at <laughs> big creek or wherever he was yeah. you know because that that's relevant data so you're not going to report that if you if there's no incentive to do so yeah but if you can if you can get your 25 dollar entry fee back just by telling us you know what i didn't catch any fish this week you know we're we're going to not we the tournament is set up to to incentivize and to give you give something back for those folks that didn't catch any fish. So so, so, so someone... yes, there is an entry fee, just like just like pretty much every other tournament. There's an entry fee of some sort. Very true. Um, but that's that's getting paid back out. Yeah. So for sure and then uh yep. no someone like me man i don't catch shit jeff so i mean that's gonna be perfect i'll, I'll be that the old totem pole <laughs> guy it's all good man i got a chance to win something so i'm I'll, i'm in for sure <laughs> yeah um i think one of the concerns i saw that was being raised in the facebook groups is how how are these catches being validated like what's stopping me from taking a whole bunch of walleye pictures that i have in my archive and just submitting yep. those right so um so all of the submissions are through the Atlers Ang Atlers <laughs> Anglers Atlas app. <laughs> I'm not even drinking and I can't. <laughs> the Anglers Atlas app is how you submit all the photos. Well, you take the photo, you I, I haven't set it up, I haven't set it up myself yet, but I think you give the app permissions in terms of your telephone or your, your camera. So we have been working with Anglers Atlas. We have all of our water bodies in the state, you know, GPS. So if you're if you're not if you're at home and submitting the picture from your home, it's going to say, "Dude, you're not at Big Creek." And it's also going to look at that timestamp. So it's going to look at the it's linked up with the location and the timestamp on your phone. And if you're not at a water body and you're putting an old photo in, you're out. 
it, right. it, it won't accept that. And I assume you have to use the app's camera because you know how you can you use your yep. own camera. And you, it's it's not going to allow that because you you have to use because you know how apps have specific their own camera, so you use theirs so you can't fake it. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't upload an yep. old picture or something like that. So yep, yeah, that's so exactly yep. So old pictures aren't aren't valid mm-hmm. and in data submitted not from the water body isn't yeah. valid and you know at the end of the day the 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 primary goal is you know it gets to have fun have a little competition but at the end of the day it's all about helping the fishery for walleyes here guys and absolutely to get, and to get the get the the most accurate numbers because like you said you guys are hiring five creole surveyors right you say you know that doesn't even come close to having 400 fishermen out there giving you data absolutely not it, you know and i think you know you got to look at the bigger picture i think as fishermen if um as anglers if you guys want to you know help the cause because i think um a lot of people are also you know because i see all the time everybody goes we need to put limits on walleyes at this location blah 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 because we're not catching them they're the sizes are so small but without the data because because you guys are all data driven so without the data the correct accurate data I think you said IODNR can't really put limits or, you know, statutory things like that without knowing. We we are, like you say, we're a data-driven organization. And so, yeah, somebody was saying, well, you know, we should put these regulations on and pass some laws. And I'm like, uh, dude, we, when we're working on things like that inside the agency, mm-hmm. I can... I can propose anything, but the boss is going to come back and say, what does the data say about this? Okay. Mm -hmm. Do we have data to prove that it's necessary? Because if you go fishing in Wisconsin, they have a a different regulation for pretty much every water body. Okay. (laughs) Every different lake has its own regulation and their regs book is that thick. Okay. Now, I don't know whether they have the data to say that that regulation is necessary for that water body, but the way we approach it here in Iowa is we don't want to over-regulate and we want to have there to be a scientific basis for the regulations that we put out there. So if we don't have the data to prove the need, we're not going to change that regulation. And, and, And like you say, there are people out there saying you just need to put the regulations on and that'd make it better. What? No, it, you, if you are just trying to do something from hearsay or happenstance, that that's not an effective mechanism for managing. That's mm-hmm. just not, you have to have data and a reason and, you know, a rationale to move forward in that direction. We're not, we're not going to just, throw regulations out on our anglers willy-nilly we're gonna we're gonna have the science to back it up that's our job and what i think what a lot of people don't understand here in iowa is that generally i think i would say the walleyes that you catch basically anywhere in the state that fish has been stocked that is that is almost unequivocally true especially in a lake the 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 walleyes that you catch in any lake in iowa there's a 99.999 percent chance that that 
fish was stocked. Our rivers also, for the most part, are interior rivers. Now, we don't do any stocking on the Mississippi River. That population is self-sustaining. Same thing on the Missouri, unless it's fish that um, we have stocked upstream and they've made their way there. But um, we do extensive stocking. We, we're going to stock 1.65 million walleyes this year, and we stock that many almost every year. And we're going to stock like 1.2 million two-inch walleyes that's, they'll be stocked in June, and the majority of those go into our rivers. Mm. Um, you know, so it's it's very, very unlikely to catch a walleye that wasn't stocked. And so, like I was saying at the beginning, huge investment of personnel resources, monetary resources, our hatcheries that we maintain, you know, and we put those walleyes out there for people to catch. And um, uh, if we weren't putting them there, you wouldn't really be catching any. Mm. Right. So basically doing this tournament, you know, if you can make any impact at all, just doing this tournament and potentially you could affect how certain bodies of water are being stocked, correct? Absolutely. Yeah. That's 100% of what we're trying to accomplish. You know, is what we're doing in terms of stocking these other water bodies, other than the ones that we get a chance to assess, what's it doing? What uh, what do the population look like? Do we have a good variety in the size ranges of fishes? You know, we we have some information about where there are big walleyes because people submit master angler. Now you can you can people don't always tell the truth on that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm well aware of that. But in reality, we know where we stock the fish and we have some idea where some big fish are being caught there that we've stocked locations. That's in reality what we have for data, except for our creel surveys and except for where we collect broodstock fish. So... so this is this is hugely helpful if yeah. people participate for sure I th there was uh, another concern i saw somebody had they're like all right if i'm in this tournament if i submit all these catches whatever where i'm located that's going to burn my spot <laughs> so but they were Absolute, they, you know they were like we're not okay so yep. how, how, does, yep. how does that work so they so they they can be at ease that it's not going to burn your spot or, or whatever the case may be. not at all not at all so like that that's one of the things on the poster secret spots stay secret so all of the data goes from you the angler into the app okay so you have your own id you log into the app the app stores all of your data, all of your catches for you. So you, Grandy, you fishing kit, you take a picture of that fish. It stores for you when you caught that fish, where you caught that fish, if you want to put a note in or about how you caught that fish, any of that stuff. That's all stored for you. You can log back in and look at your catches through time. So it's providing that service to you. Even when the tournament's not going on, you can utilize the app for storing that data for you, okay? Yeah. That is the service that the app is providing to you, and that is what you are, the data you are providing to the app. What we get, what the DNR gets, is the 
length information. So we, we might see the fish, we know how long the fish is, and we know that you caught that fish at Big Creek. We don't know where you caught it at Big Creek, or you caught it on the Des Moines River between Sailorville and Red Rock. We don't know where you caught it. Your secret spots say, stay secret. We as the agency never see that specific location data. And we don't know what you caught. We get anonymous data about this fish was caught at this lake. That's it. Okay. We know the length. We know the species. We know the water body. Okay. That's it. And you, Grandy, you're not going to be able to see where Kit caught his fish. Kit's not going to be able to see where you caught your fish unless you show each other. Mm -hmm. But none of your information gets shared with any other user either. Okay. So, so that the, this concern about spots getting burned out by other people, that that's not part of the deal, you know, cool. that, that, that shouldn't be a concern because there are lots of safeguards in place to make sure that doesn't happen. For sure. And, and Sean anglers Atlas, they've been doing tournaments uh, in Canada for years. And, and this, it's been working extremely well. They've they've dealt with that issue and made sure that it's not an issue. Awesome. Yeah, we did. Um, or actually, you guys did the trout. Was it a tournament too? The trout tournament yep. over that was over our, the winter too. That was our first attempt with this, and we didn't have a lot of participation. That's why we're working really hard at it right now. We want to get people to participate um, because if we don't have participation, it's not going to work. Um, that's that's very simple. We we need people to sign up. Uh, none of that twenty five dollars comes to us, and so you know that that money is all going back uh, in in tournament prizes um, cool. and maybe a little bit uh, to Anglers Atlas for hosting this and verifying the catches. Um, but it's yeah, it's it's not. It's not a moneymaker for us. So it's it really is um, trying to get a handle on some data. That's cool. And then is there, um, I mean, if I wanted to, or if we wanted to, uh, will you be able to find out like who caught the biggest fish at the end of the, cause this is from May 1st uh, through June 30th. Is that correct? Yep, that's okay. right. And so, I mean, we'll know who the prize winners are. Okay. And, right. and the reason why- Okay. Yeah. The reason why I asked that is like, if, if, uh, if I wanted to myself, maybe, or, or fish, if, if, if beer fish fanatics wanted to donate something to the winners, you know, whether it's a weekly win or, or just at the end of the whole thing, like who, whoever caught the biggest fish, um, should we reach out to you? And then, cause I, I would love to be able to, you know, to get any of our listeners to, to participate. And if they, you know, participate and if they, you know, do really well or win or anybody does really well, we'd love to be able to, to at least give them something like, Hey, awesome. You guys want is from beer fish fanatics. We'll give you guys like a cup, a shirt, a hat or something like that. I, I definitely can try and see what we can do about that. Okay. I know another option would be like for you guys, if you wanted to, sponsor a particular water body like you could be the sponsor and show up on the app for big creek for example 
and okay. you know it would kind of be a tournament within a tournament that okay. that beerfish fanatics is sponsoring what's going on at big creek within this overall tournament i know i think maybe shields out of iowa city is doing something like that for coralville um okay. i i i don't remember all the exact details on that but i know that that's an option okay I'll get I'll get with Kit here, and we, we we'll figure something out. It'd be kind of cool to get some of our listeners to have them participate, and we can do a little something for them too. You know, for for joining in and and really helping. Like I said, this this is going to be a good thing if if we can get more participants. Um, this is going to be a good thing, especially if you love those two D critters. You want to know, right? You want to know, you know, you've been fishing at a, a specific lake, and you know this is the reason why you're catching them, or this is the reason why you're not catching them because maybe they need to stock more, and this helps us. To, to know yes. that they're going to stock more. So that's cool. We're, we're, we're doing this in an attempt to provide better fishing for our anglers. That's our whole goal. That's you cool. Know? No, you respect that for sure. How about out of staters? Can they register and fish in this tournament if they wanted to come down and fish? I mean, um, I know we have a lot of out of staters that come because in, in the reason why I ask that, cause they know when they come, they catch it and then you know you know what i'm saying it would also be more data so is that absolutely is it open to them outer staters can, can register it, too you bet the cool. the the requirements are to be signed up with the tournament okay and to fish in iowa and and now you know i i've heard some concerns also about um are we going to be validating that this individual has a fishing license we don't do that the fisheries people don't do that when when we have a creel survey person go out there they're not checking fishing licenses they are checking you know the fish that you have in your in, in your creel in your bucket whatever um or and they talk to you about what you caught that day etc so we we don't do that you know, a, a conservation officer might check your license and look what you have in your bucket. But if we're doing a creel, we don't check your license. So we're not checking. We don't even, like I said, we don't even know, like, okay, your your online name is Grandy Van Lowe, but you actually are Bob Smith. <laughs> you know, that's, that's your real name on your fishing license, right? Yeah. And so, so I can't look at Grandy Van Lowe on the tournament and then go to my computer and double check does does a grandy like van low have a fishing license no I that, 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 that's not part of our deal you know we i also can't guarantee that somebody's not out there throwing a cast net and doing i it, you know I, yeah. that's not conservation officers have a job and we in fisheries have a job and our job is to is to deal with the fish and deal with the data and and so that's what we're doing and yeah. so could could somebody be play you know playing the system and doing that kind of stuff yeah they could I, and we can't i can't stop it but you know that's also not it, it, if you're that kind of angler yeah you know would, there's nothing there's there's nothing we can do. Somebody, somebody sees them doing that. What we need is is our other, you know, ethical anglers helping us out in that regard with a concert, you know, with a call to a conservation officer or whatever. For sure. Yeah. So don't do that. Don't yeah. be 
going around with a cast. Yeah, don't be that walleye. Don't be that guy or that girl, man. Don't don't be them, man. <laughs> we oh, we man. aren't stocking these fish for that type yes. of uh, activity. For sure, for sure. And then, uh, yeah, we, we had Matt or not Matt, but Mark uh, talk about those Creole uh, Creole surveyors and everything. Yep. So just so everybody knows, because that that happened to me up at Clear Lake once, and you know my buddies we were all you know having a couple beers on the ice, and they're like, "What did you do, man? You got in trouble and shit. You got the DNR on." And this is the thing: they're the nicest people ever. All they're doing is just getting information about the fish, the data, and that's all they're doing. Don't give them a hard time. They're not there to bust your chops and all that stuff so they're really just nice people and um they just want to help get data and information in regards to the fisheries and that's it yep so be nice to them yeah guys. and they they can give you some in, information too about like what other people are catching mm -hmm. and absolutely uh last yeah last year i was uh down downtown and a guy stopped me i found out people were um seeing mud puppies in the des moines river i was like huh I didn't oh, even yeah, know we had those. Really? Yep. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I, for some reason, I think people just see DNR and they just get nervous for some reason. <laughs> I don't know why. You, if you got nothing to hide, what's to worry about? All really? right. Can, can, I mean, because if you're a rule follower, yeah, you have nothing. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. There was a time in my life where I wasn't the greatest rule follower, right? So sometimes when authority comes, you're just like, oh shit, what did I do now? That's that's the mentality some people get. I understand that. I'm just saying that that could happen. Are that's, you, that's are the you saying why. you fished without a fishing no, no, license no, before? No, not like that. that. Got not, not, not that part of <laughs> hey, another podcast, another story, man. <laughs> Don't worry about that, dude. Uh, I gotta drink another beer. I'm doing the, the Good day, sunshine. By the way, guys, honey wheat ale. I'm gonna try that one out. But oh, nice. Um, I might grab another bear too. I'm gonna dip out real quick. I'll be back. All right, go ahead, because I have a few other questions for Jeff. Actually, this episode is brought to you by Kelowna Brewing Company. If you live in Eastern Iowa, make sure to swing by Kelowna Brewing Company's tap room. Amazing food and amazing craft beer. If you live in Central Iowa or in the Midwest, swing by your local supermarket and see if they carry the Kelowna Brewing Company line of beer. And also swing by your local restaurants, local bars, see if they have Kelowna Brewing Companies on tap. If not, make sure you guys request it. You, I kid you not, you won't regret that. Other than that, enjoy this episode, guys. So, unless, and then we'll, we'll explain to Kit when he gets back. Um, there, we, we, we did a few podcasts ago. So if somebody catches, let's just say it catches a walleye, that's a state record. Okay. We want to keep yep. that. We want to keep it alive. How do we go about measuring it and registering it for the state record and keep it alive? Do we, let's just say it's Sunday evening, 6, 7 PM. There's nobody around. I'm fishing. I'm on the river or wherever I am. And I catch this. It's just unbelievable monster state record. I want to keep this alive because I want to release it. What does that person do? do they, I mean, because typically, they, you know, I, what I've known was, you know, take it to the nearest, you know, bait shop, whatever, you know, so they can get the DNR come. But then the fish obviously doesn't make it. How do we record this record, state record fish without it dying and releasing it, but also making sure that we get credit for the state record? It's a fabulous question. <laughs> 
you need a great big tank. And <laughs> well, so it's almost impossible. Okay. Okay. It's almost impossible. Um, you know, when, when we look at the, the way that our state record verification is done, we have to have a certified weight or certified scale that the weight is taken on. Now, like at our office, we have one so we can provide this service to our anglers. Okay. But, you know, even if it was even if it was you and you've got my number and you know how to get a hold of me, then I have to be available. I have to take a half hour to go to my office and get the scale and calibrate it. And then I got to come to where you are. And, you know, the, just just with logistics, that's over an hour. And that's that's rough on that fish already right there. OK, OK, let's say you are planning ahead and let's say you you have a great big cooler you know a, a huge old whatever cooler you can't even take the river water from where you're at and put the fish in because of our aquatic invasive species laws mm -hmm. you know if you're moving bait and that kind of stuff around it has to be in basically in tap water you know, that you've dechlorinated or whatever. You can't be taking your fish. That's why you got to drain your live well whenever you leave somewhere, you know? So it's it's impossible. Okay. Is the basic, I know what you want and I agree with what you want. Mm -hmm. I just am telling you that it almost can't be done. Okay. Now let's take another big step back though. If you have caught the state record walleye, it, it, like we said before, basically everywhere that fish was stocked, okay? And if it's that big, it's at the end of its lifespan. You don't have to feel the need to put that fish back to maintain the fishery and the population. Okay. Okay. You, you, you don't need to, if you want to, that's perfectly fine, but it's, there's no ethical dilemma with keeping that fish. You know, the only, you know, if you're at Clear Lake or Okaboji or something like that, then maybe that fish will survive another year and maybe it will get caught in our nets and maybe it still has viable eggs at that age. So maybe putting it back in one of those few systems where we actually collect broodstock, it might be valuable, but there's a whole lot of maybes. Gotcha. Gotcha. If it was, if it was me and, and I, a lot of times I'm a catch and release fisherman too, but in that situation, Knowing what I know about how everything works, I I would keep it. Gotcha. So so walleyes are big. How about like yeah. cro how about crappies? How about crappie? If, if I caught like the massive crappie, I mean it's it's well, what is I don't even know what the state record for the crappie is, but let's four, just four and some pounds. Let's say you caught a big fish. It's yeah. a big fish. It's a big crappie. Yeah. Holy shit! And, yeah. But let's just say you caught something. You know, could you keep that alive? You think is a possibility. 
I don't even know. See, that's what I'm wondering. I don't know. And, it's and, possible, but again, if those fish are that age, yeah, gotcha. They're nearing the. We've had state records long enough that the state record for most species is pretty big, and that's going to be a pretty old fish. Hmm. So the viability of that fish into the future is pretty limited. Hmm. And I will never say a bad thing about anybody releasing, wanting to release a big fish. And I will never say a bad thing about anybody wanting to keep it because that's a personal choice. And that would, if I have something to say about it, I mean, if there's a scientific reason for me to say something about it, I will. But the scientific rationale really is that though most of those fish are, are pretty far toward the end of their lifespan. And it would be an ethic of mine that I'm trying to impose on someone else rather than a, uh, there, there being a scientific basis for the for most sure. part for me doing that. And, and, you know, we all have our own ethics. For sure. Mm. For sure. Yeah. See, we're wrong, Kit. You know what I mean? Because I, I, I've always wondered, like, it's not like I'm ever going to catch a record. But if I do, what do I do? Because I think, I, number one, I'd freak out. And if I'm alone, yeah. it's Sunday night at 6 p.m., yep. what the hell do I do? <laughs> the first thing what I would have done, honestly, I would have called Kit. I'm like, hey, dude, I caught this. What do I do? What do I do? Come, hey, I need a yep. witness. Number yep. one, I need a witness. Number two, it was like, you know, I, I, I wouldn't know what to do, like, to, to, to try and to try at least claim that, hey, I caught the record, you know, whatever. Yeah, so what what you would do, I, in my opinion, you put that thing on ice right away. And okay. so so it's not metabolizing. It's not, um, it's not losing much weight because okay. these records are all based on weight. Now, could we potentially someday move to catch and release records that are length-based? Yeah, that's a possibility. Um, that we could have a, a, an alternate set of state records. And, hmm. you know, I think if, if there was a push for something like that from the anglers, I think we would certainly be willing to, to listen to that. But that, that's not something that's, you know, being pushed for right now. That would take more staff time and energy. Um, but that, I don't think it's an unreasonable thought. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so then, then it would be a different story. That would be a, and I think there are certain states that do have catch and release state records in addition to the others. But getting back to my point, our records are based on weight. So you want that fish cold and not losing um, in any weight, because like I say, most of the time the fish are really, the state records are big you're probably going to not be breaking it by a ton <laughs> or even by a pound. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Would plugging its holes so it doesn't secrete stuff, would that be okay? <laughs> I'm sorry. I, had to I, don't ask, that, man. <laughs> I, I don't know that I'd be wanting to put any lead weights in there. <laughs> well, oh, oh, don't put any weight. I'll just like, like cover the hole so nothing comes out in the end. <laughs> I guess. I don't know, man. I, I don't, that's not going to make much of a difference. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, speaking of like the old age of fish and stuff, because I, I see this in groups all the time. You know, there's always arguments in the Facebook groups uh, whether an old fish has viable eggs and what the what the prime, I guess, size and prime age of a fish is. Is there like generally generally? I know it's going to vary from different bodies of water and states, but like in Iowa, let's say generally, what is like a walleye's prime 
prime age and length, I guess, as far as spawning goes. Right. So we have that, um, we have those slot limits up on the Iowa Great Lakes. And what we're doing is we're protecting that significant brood stock. So, you know, we're looking at those, what I forget what it is. It is, is the slot 18 to 22 or, or something along those lines. Um, you know, certainly bigger fish do produce more eggs, but the, that doesn't mean that the biggest fish produce the best eggs because as they get really old, those eggs are less viable. Hmm. So yeah, those 18 to 26, 28, you know, 29 inch fish. Yeah, they're awesome. But there's some of those 28, 29 inch fish that are pretty old too. So honestly, it's, it's very individual dependent, um, you know, because some 26 inch fish are going to be, you know, on the young end of the range and some 26 inch fish are going to be on the old end of the range. Just depends on, you know, what happened to that individual over the course of their life right right yeah there's always yeah i see a lot of discourse on facebook groups and stuff they're always arguing like oh well this well that fish isn't viable anyways you know they need these certain size and but like you said it all it all really depends it does you there there isn't a hard and fast rule about that and so i think for me the hard and fast rule goes back to you know your individual ethic. Don't try to put it on other people. And, you know, if there's a reason to harvest that fish, harvest it. And if, and if there's, you know, if you have some overwhelming reason not to, then, then don't. But, but for the most part, when like you say, we're putting those fish out there to be caught. So catch it. Everybody's an expert on social media kit. You know it. Oh, we yeah, we, see, know. On, we see on the groups all the time. Just like I almost want to, you know, I I really don't jump in because I just whatever. Because I almost want to ask, like, oh really? Do you got a degree in in in, in walleye's you know studies? You know what I'm saying? Like, because some of the stuff that they spew out, I'm just like, okay, <laughs> you just gotta take it as with a grain of salt. That's okay, I'll I'll be the devil's advocate here, but uh, you know, yep. I'm not a veteran. I'm not a veterinarian. But I can tell you what a dog is. <laughs> there you go, man. Um, but anyway, anyways. <laughs> oh, so funny. But we'll, we'll definitely put that. Oh, by the way, we we'll, we'll definitely put all the links for the uh, the tournament and everything to sign up. You guys got to do because I think this episode we're going to release this. So uh, everybody's wondering um, on May 2nd. So it'll be a day right after because okay. tur- the tournament starts this uh, Sunday. On the yep, first Sunday, so, May first. Sunday. Yep. So, so everybody who's listened to this uh, episode and podcast and everything, you guys got plenty of time. Jump in. You'll have a, a full two months here in Iowa, Central Iowa, all of Iowa. It doesn't even matter. Yep. Where, wherever we have walleye, except except for the Iowa Great Lakes, because the season is closed um, until the seventh. There so, go. targeting walleyes is is not allowed until the season is open. So, so that first week, well, you can still compete at the end of that week, Saturday, um, you know, Saturday, the seventh at midnight is when the season opens on East and West Okaboji and Spirit Lake. So, uh, so you can't, they, they will not allow 
walleyes from those three lakes to be entered into the tournament. Okay. That we're we're going we're gonna to disqualify any entries that come from those lakes those first um, six days in May. So um, that's a, actually, yeah, that was, that was a question. I was like, so what if they accidentally catch one? And okay, so it just won't count, guys, because it's, it's, it's not in season in regards to just, just wait like six days if you're in that area. Right. If you're, if you're throwing spinner baits for Northerns on uh, Spirit Lake, or if you're out fishing for some of those really awesome smallmouth bass mm-hmm. and you happen to catch a walleye, okay, you're, you were not, you were not targeting that. But if you're, <laughs> If you're targeting walleyes, if you're, you know, doing a little bit something different, <laughs> then uh, yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna ask what so what defines targeting walleye for these body of bodies of water? <laughs> well, tossing spinner baits in the weeds is not it. Okay, <laughs> but but your your pink jig head with a with a white uh, twister tail or you know what whatever whatever your preferred walleye you know if you're dragging worm harnesses whatever you know that that's pretty much targeting walleyes and that's <laughs> yeah. that's what is not okay and if a conservation officer sees you doing that or you know your lindy rigs or whatever yeah yeah don't be doing that <laughs> that's targeting walleyes okay yeah because like you know here in central iowa we don't have a closed season for walleye right. and stuff so we really don't have to worry about that stuff that's correct yep i mean i just want to make sure someone's not just going up there and like just i like throwing a white twister tail on a one one eighth ounce jig head that's that is true i was gonna say that too because he he does he throws he loves those white swim baits and he catches every species on those so no. Could yep. that be, I mean, technically, that's not considered. I mean, he's not targeting walleyes, but when he catches walleyes, he catches with it too. You know what I mean? So, and I mean, I don't know. Are you targeting? Eh. I mean, I, I mean, I'm, I'm a little, you know, I guess educated in that respect. But let's say like the, the layman guy, the average. Well, I wouldn't even say average. Like the weekend warrior guy. Yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know. Is that a gray area? Yes. <laughs> it would touch a degree here, yeah, for sure. Just throw top water, you'll be fine. But anyways, um, I'm gonna go back to your uh, netting and uh, survey stuff. Um, Good. I'm I pretty... was hoping we would talk about. That. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, can you touch on that? You know, what are some highlights or surprises? Um, you want to like what stood out to you? Like, whoa, I was not expecting to see like one of these. So we we'll start with Big Creek. And um, I think the, the big news is that it looks like the shad population is down. So I think that those fish are going to be more available to our anglers this year than maybe they have been, especially early in the year uh, before, you know, the shad spawn happens and, and we have young of the year shad for those fish to eat. So I, I think the time frame um, for this tournament aligns really well when anglers could could be pretty successful at, at Big Creek targeting walleyes. We were there for, I think, three nights, caught uh, over 400 walleyes. Jeez. Um, they, the condition is fantastic. Those fish are all really healthy, growing like crazy. Um, fish up to 30 inches, 10 pounds. Um, wow. Yeah, they're, 
big fish, lots of fish, um, tons of, you know, those 16 to 18 to 20 inch really good eater walleyes in Big Creek. Um, and then, you know, lots of, you know, 26ers and stuff like that too. Population looks just fantastic. Yeah. And muskies are good too. We, we saw uh, quite a few hybrid striped bass also. Um, big crappies in Big Creek right now. They've been feeding on the shad too. The crappies are about 15 inches long and a, over an inch thick. They're just wow. It's outstanding. Yeah. Big Creek is looking phenomenal. I'm definitely going to make that a place that I, I target this year. Well, we might have to beep out the lake kid i don't know we we because we, we got all hey this is the thing jeff i you know i i've been noticing a lot of our downloads a lot of minnesotans wisconsin and nebraska has really tuning into this podcast i've noticed yeah, so yeah so so we we may see some vehicles out of the i don't know hey iowans you know just just open arms man we love you guys as long as they buy license that's that's the yep. best thing yeah well if they're coming they're they're going to restaurants, they're buying beer, they're staying they're, in hotels. It's good for everybody. So, 100% on that, yeah. for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, Brushy so, Creek Brushy Creek was also very good. It's historically, you know, we, we just got the fish barrier completed there in the last year. Uh, we haven't had much rain, so there hasn't been much outflow. Uh, we finally got some rain, so now we hope to be able to see that uh, that, that fish barrier is keeping those fish in there. Uh, we really think that's going to help build uh, our walleye and muskie populations in that system. Um, we have, for the last few years, we've seen better populations in Big Creek than Brushy Creek, but Brushy Creek's really coming along too. And it's not that there's a bad walleye population in there at all. It's very healthy. Um, fish up to 29 plus inches uh, on the walleye side of things. May, didn't quite hit that 30 inch mark that we saw at Big Creek, but really, really close. Um, and again, good good size range of fish. Um, yeah, Grandy just, yeah, no, we lost you. You're back. <laughs> there we go. Uh, so looks really good looks really good at uh at brushy creek and and the musky population there is really solid and and tons of bass everybody knows about how good of a bass fishery um brushy creek is and that it's still looking really good um lots of little perch um so lots of food for those walleyes also all right i'm gonna i'm gonna jump back to big creek since it's more local to us yeah so do you do you see any like um uh, any specific reasons why you think the shad population is down? Is it just kind of like a cycle thing? Or is I it because the wipers, because they're kind of in there to, you know, kind of control the shad somewhat? You know, it could be a variety of things. You know, the water, water was down last year. So maybe those optimal spawning sites are not available. Um, maybe there's some impact that the wipers are having on them. Um, it's, we're not doing an intensive research project on it to figure that out. So anything that I'm putting out there is just conjecture at this, you know, at this juncture. Those are the things that cross my mind um, at, at, at this point in time. Um, I don't think, I don't, know that we've been 
successful in a system that big with biological control of shad. So I'm very skeptical that the wipers are having that degree of an impact. I think it's much more likely that it was just the cyclical nature of reproduction and um, and that they're just down right now. And, and I'm, it'd be very surprising if they didn't um, come back and, and maintain themselves just fine. Okay. So, um, uh, well, back to the shad thing. Um, so why, why is shad such a big problem for some bodies of water? It, <laughs> they can be very detrimental to our panfish populations. You know, Big Creek has, has had an interesting history since we're talking about Big Creek. You know, back in the 90s, it was just a phenomenal crappie fishery in early 2000s. And then um, we, had the, we had the drawdown and everything, and we had shad in there, but then we had a hard winter that just killed them off. And as the system kind of rebounded from that, there was some really phenomenal bluegill fishing in there. And part of that is because shad tend to prey on small bluegills and, and bluegill eggs. Hmm. And so it's, um, and when I say small, I mean like fry, mm -hmm. like teeny tiny. And so if you're not getting successful bluegill reproduction because of the shad, and in a lot of systems, um, bluegill is the primary forage like that's the base that everything else in the system is built on. So if you have a problem with the bluegills, then you're probably going to have a problem all the way up the food chain because that's the base of the food chain. Okay. And so shad are problematic in that regard. Gizzard shad specifically. Okay. Redfin shad down south are a, are, are a different thing. And, and they... they utilize kind of a different role in the ecosystem than what the gizzard shad do here. And so they don't have that detrimental impact that the, that the gizzard shad tend to have in, in our reservoirs. Um, so basically what, what's happened in Big Creek is, you know, since the shad came back, we do have some big bluegills in there, but we don't have the density of bluegills that that we had before. So you, you, I, I wouldn't tell someone to go to Big Creek to have a great day fishing for bluegills. That's just not, that's not going to be the case because of what's going on with the shad. And, you know, bluegill fishing for bluegills is how we introduce a lot of people to fishing. You know, that's how people get caught on fishing. I don't know how many people, the first fish that they ever caught was a bluegill. You look at our at our first fish um, awards that we give out, it's astronomical, the percentage of those that are bluegills, you know? So um, it's really important to have good bluegill fisheries, uh, both from an ecosystem perspective and from an angler success perspective. And so having these shad in our systems uh, is not beneficial, you know, especially, you know, it's fine in the big flood control reservoirs um, because that's more of a riverine system and that's more a natural environment for them. These smaller impoundments that we have, like, you know, 
Hickory Grove or Easter Lake or Big Creek or whatever, they're more detrimental in those systems. Now, we're not going to be able to do anything about it in Big Creek. So we're kind of managing with shad, not trying to eliminate the shad. Um, but we do in a number of systems, we've we've reset them to get get rid of the shad and and start that over because there's a lot of places that that we need that that bluegill basis for those systems. And so when you have the shad, that's um, that becomes a really challenging uh, management scenario. No, I think, um, yeah, I learned something. I didn't know that that's what shad was, their main forage going after bluegills. And it's a domino effect. So that's, that's what everybody yeah. knows. Yeah. And it's not that they're their main forage, but it's easy for them to pick them off. Yeah. You know, so. And aren't they competing with like a lot of the five, uh, let's say, Other, crappies and bluegills? Yep, yep absolutely. So yeah. that, you know, that the space that they take up in the, in the ecosystem is they're displacing those crappies and bluegills. So, mm. um, our water bodies in Iowa, we have very nutrient rich landscape, very nutrient rich water. We can grow about 600 pounds per acre of fish, um, overall. And so, you know, what do you want that 600 pounds to be? Do you want you know, two, three, 400 pounds of that to be bluegills, or do you want it to be shad? And I'd rather catch bluegills than shad. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. Never eaten shad. <laughs> that, 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 that needs to be a, a fishing kit catching cook. Shad. Hey, you're the one that was like, I never tasted a muskie. How am I supposed to know what a muskie tastes like? Well, how are you going to know what a shad tastes like if you never eaten it? All right, you do it with me. <laughs> yeah. Hey man, we, we're homies. We gotta we gotta eat it together and try it out. And see see how it does. I'll go catch a bluegill if I want to eat a fish. <laughs> all right, I'm with you on that. But no, Jeff was right. Uh, my daughters, all my daughters, first fish they ever caught was was a bluegill. So ever since then, you know, um, they're addicted. They're addicted to catching bluegills through the ice, and you yep. know that's that's the way it goes. It's just kind of you know that's how you start the uh, the the that addiction of wanting that that you know, pole bend and everything. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. Even like, you know, us seasoned anglers, if we're having a rough time, I feel like you can always fall back on bluegills, whether that's just to get some action or just to get uh, food for the table. And if you can't fall back on bluegill, then there's something wrong with the particular fishery. Right. Yep. Yeah. Plus you can use it for bait. This guy. Oh yeah, bait too. You, yeah, you love you. This that's a, I go to him. I go, hey, just keep it so I can eat. He goes, nah, man, that's my bait, dude. <laughs> so I'm like, all right. Speaking of bait for flatheads. Yeah. Speaking of uh, bluegills for bait, um, I caught my my first hybrid striped bass on cut bluegill today. Oh, really? In like two or three feet of water, because I was catfishing. What? All right, yeah, and my buddy, my Sorry, buddy, uh, shout out to Butters. He uh, he caught one on cut bluegill too. Uh, hybrid striped bass, two, three feet of water. Uh, generally, this area we fish is just this big mud flat, super shallow. Uh, yeah, probably two, three feet of water. And I was surprised. It was the first fish I caught today. Hmm. So, so just so our listeners know, uh, fishing kit was about. 10 minutes late because he was busy on fire. Well, tell us, how was your fishing? What'd you do today, man? 
Right. I'll 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 drop the name since Jeff's here, but we can bleep it out. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll bleep. So I was at uh up at the north end of the lake at one of the silt dams. Yeah. Because because today I know we've had a bunch of rain recently, and there's the the creek that feeds the lake pretty much, uh, and I already know. Well, we had a bunch of rain. The lake was actually super high yep. a few days ago. Like the docks were underwater, which is crazy. Yeah. And usually, nice. yeah, and usually doesn't really fluctuate that much. Hmm. Well, it's it was that three to five inches of rain that Huxley and and Alleman and basically, uh, well, and Ankeny, of course, too, all had heavy rain. But it it all that heavy rain landed in the watershed of so hmm. big flush of water. Yes. Yeah. So I knew that going in today. Okay. There's going to be pr- some, some decent current going in there and it was a South wind. So I always talk about it, just wind in your face, baits in shallow water. It was my mindset. And I went up, up there, my buddy butters, he caught bluegills at one of the Ankeny ponds. We took it out there. I was sending out one of my cameras to look over and like my rod's just going crazy. And I was like, man, I can't keep up with this fish because uh, I use a uh, bait bait casting reel, a round reel. The uh, the gear ratios are kind of low, so you got to reel a lot to bring in line. I was like, I can't keep up with this fish. And then when we saw it, we're like, oh, it's a freaking viper! <laughs> and he was like, what viper on a cut bait? Like he was so mind blown. I've caught him on cut bait, but never on cut bluegill. I don't think they much care what the cut bait is, the species on the cut bait. Right, right. Just but a conjecture gen- on my part. Yeah, but generally, you know, you're not targeting these hybrid striped bass throwing baits out just sitting on the bottom. No, no. no. Right. How many did you catch today? Um, I probably caught six or seven catfish. Oh. And my buddy, he uh, he he's been me- messaging me while we're doing this podcast. He he was kind of struggling, but he probably caught, I'd say, two or three catfish since I left. But oh. he was super surprising the the wiper on the cut bait. Nice. Yeah, I'll take it. It's, it's a surprise. I'm like, hey, I'll take it. <laughs> Good surprise, man. Um, man, it's been. Super educational, man. Um, do you have anything else for Jeff? I, I don't want to keep you too late. You know, I mean, you, you gracious with your time and efforts and everything, Jeff. But you have anything else for Jeff, guy? Um, if our audience wants to reach out to you with any questions or, you know, just want to pick your brain about anything, where can they do that? Uh, they can reach out to me at, at my DNR email address, uh, jeff.kopaska, K O P. A-S-K-A at dnr.iowa.gov or my DNR phone number is 515-204-8021. And uh, yeah, I'm happy to answer any questions about this tournament or whatever. Perfect. And then I'll put all the links, everything on the show notes and everything. And and like I said, we're we're releasing this on um, a day right after this tournament starts. So I really want our listeners jump in there. Fishing Kim, myself, we'll set something up for anybody who, who you know, joins, who listens to this podcast and, and joins this tournament. We'll, we'll set something up. It'll be kind of cool. It might even be like a date out with 
fishing kit and he'll show you guys how to fish because you know it'll be just fun or something i don't know man we'll, we'll, we'll figure something out but it, it'll be fun i'm excited i'm going to register for this because most likely i'm going to say hey i didn't catch shit today 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 nothing 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 but get a chance to to be the the, the guy that you know the skunkle master hopefully hopefully not but never know but i know uh, i i'm super excited i'm so cool I, I i'm really thrilled that you guys are doing this hopefully this is successful like you're saying we don't know how this is going to turn out but hopefully it's successful because maybe you guys want to do it for another species of fish that that's hopefully hopefully that's something on down the road if this is successful guys listeners everybody in iowa um, this could be something on down the road that, you know what, if you're a wiper guy, hybrid striped bass, we we're just talking about that. If you're a guy who knows, maybe we can do a tournament like that to help Iowa DNR out, to give them more information, more data. At the end of the day, it's just going to help us as anglers to, you know, once they get the information, they can help figure out, you know, to, to, to what can help us catch more fish at the end of the day that's 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 the goal that's the um, whole goal yep. that's the whole goal so so get out there make sure you guys register for this tournament we've got two months on it get on it um i'm excited for that thank you so much jeff for just jumping in on here and, and really giving us the, the 411 on that and um getting us pumped up for a little bit of you know a, a two-month walleye session I, th- I think i'm pretty excited for that i'm gonna try try my best hopefully i can catch some walleyes hope i can catch some fish i have been struggling everybody knows i've got text messages hey you don't you don't do videos anymore and fishing i go well no i do i just don't catch shit sorry guys you know what, what do you i mean i guess i could put skunko videos you guys really want to hear me talk but you know i i mean i catch one fish or two fish it's just you know hopefully the weather cooperates with us in the next two months yep. that's 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 the biggest thing because i think the weather has been a deterrent at least for me at least uh you know at the times i can go fish but guys yep. get out there register thank you so much jeff um other than that everybody don't forget check out fishing kit youtube channel he's 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 grinding this guy's almost got two. get his ass at 2000 subscribers guys all right do this if you guys get him to 2000 subscribers he still owes me two two beer slams by the way um once he does that i will slam one full beer i'll, I'll do i'll do a shotgun for you man i'll do a shotgun of wow. beer if he gets a two you guys get him up to 2000 subscribers on his youtube channel go check out my pop fishing i haven't done, haven't posted a video hopefully i'll post one here pretty soon once i catch some fish uh go check out our videos and everybody who's listened up to this point truly appreciate that hopefully you guys learned something today because i sure as hell did so um other than that guys till next time yeah always a good time having you on jeff for sure you bet thanks fellas all right thanks